Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on. We talk about basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to Vern's Post Game Show. Massey not stopping in second and slides into third with a two-run triple. Here's Josh Vernier. All right, good afternoon. 6-1 the final score. Royals lose. Royals drop back to 40 games below 500. But at least it's hot outside. Hey, I'm with you until we hand things right back to Steve Stewart. So we got a lot to talk about. First time you and I have had a chance to talk in about a week. Hopefully you're doing well. Hey, if you wanted good When you showed up to the ballpark today, if you're a diehard Royals fan and you tuned into this one this afternoon or watched on television, or again, if you're uh, being politely escorted to the gate right now at Kauffman Stadium, sure, you can come back in, but you got to fork over some more money. Uh, If you wanted something positive to happen this afternoon for your boys in blue, well, that certainly happened. If you wanted good, this game had it. If you wanted bad for some strange reason, oh boy, this game had it. And if you're a sicko and you wanted something ugly to go down, this game had it. This 6-1 loss at the hands of the American League's best squad, the Tampa Bay Rays, this game this afternoon had it all, ladies and gentlemen. And the phone lines are open for you if you feel like talking about it. Phone number, text line number, they're identical. It's 913-586-7610. That's 913-586-7610. The good, we begin with the good because why wouldn't you? (laughs) Who wants to sit around and focus on the negative in a season where you're 26 and 66? It's not difficult to find the negative, and we'll get to the negative. We'll, 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 We'll get to it all. But let's begin with the good. Let's begin on the mound with Alec Marsh. The 25-year-old throws a quality start. Six innings of two-run baseball. He scatters five hits. He punches out 11. And he walks only one. So Alec Marsh is without question the good. You uh, tip your cap to Bobby Witt Jr. who belts his 15th home run of the season. So the good... A pair of 25 and under Royals. Alec Marsh, Bobby Witt Jr., both selected in the 2019 draft. The bad is something that we've discussed way too much over the past month, and that is double-digit strikeouts from the Royals. Ten strikeouts this afternoon against, now I understand, a very, very good pitcher. Tyler Glass now is a monster. Both in stature and in stuff, he is a monster, and he struck out seven. 
Ray's bullpen comes in and strikes out three. But I'm going to stop before I heap too much praise on Tyler Glass. Now, again, he's worthy of it. But eventually, we got to get to a place, and I, I think many of you remember my April meltdown at the endless bouquets being thrown the way of the opposing starting pitchers. I've had enough of it. This is the big leagues. 70%, of the time that you take the field, the opposing starting pitcher is pretty darn good. So, okay, yeah, Tyler Glass now and Shane Bieber and Gavin Williams and Pablo Lopez, these guys all shove it up your tailpipe. Okay, fine, they're good. But there comes a time where you start to say, hey, we got big leaguers too. We got to hold our guys to a big league standard, so punching out double-digit times every time you show up to the ballpark, it becomes somewhat frustrating, nauseating at times. Ten strikeouts today, six of them from MJ Melendez and Nick Prado alone. Nick Prado has 60 strikeouts in his last 123 at-bats. Go ahead, do the quick math. Eesh. Yeah, not good. Meanwhile, MJ Melendez has punched out 40 times in his last 34 games. Royal strikeout 10 times today. That's the bad. The ugly, well, the only thing that was good about Colin Snyder's eighth inning tonight was the 15,000 in attendance staying locked in and giving him the Bronx cheer when he throws his first strike with his 14th pitch. 14th pitch out of the bullpen was his first strike. He walks three straight batters, throws Luke Rayleigh a first pitch ball outside the zone, obviously, and then gives up a two-run single over Nick Prado's head at first base. So the good, the bad, the ugly was all on display as the Royals once again fall to Tampa in the opener of this day-night doubleheader and in the opener of this three-game weekend set. Phone lines are open for you, 913-586-7610. That's 913-586-7610. There's two things I'm curious to find out from you. Now, if you were one of the 15,000 sweating through this one, You jump right to the front of the line. We're not going to make you wait on hold for a second. Or I'm going to do my best to not keep you on hold. My two questions that I'm interested in your response is just your overall thoughts on Alec Marsh. Three starts into his big league career. This is a guy that is, you know, just about a year younger than Brady Singer and Daniel Lynch. So it's not as if he's a baby. He's 25. He's not near his prime, so I'm not saying he should be a finished product, but let's not act as if he's breaking in at a very, very young age. But 11 strikeouts, only one walk. Yeah, yeah, he he, he gave up a pair of home runs, but again, they're solo shots. Three starts into his big league career. We've seen improvement in each and every one of them, from the Dodgers to the Twins and now taking on the Rays. It's really only been competitive ball clubs that he's faced. It's been a first-place team in the Dodgers, a team just on the outside of first place with the Twins, and, of course, the best the American League has to offer in the Rays. So he's thrown right into the deep end in this 
Big League Baseball, at least as far as Big League Baseball is concerned, Alec Marsh has been thrown right in to the deep end. I'm interested in your thoughts. How do you view him? Because I'm having a difficult time, A, because it's only three starts. I'm having a difficult time slotting him ahead of really anyone in this rotation. For as excited as I was watching him today, as much of a fan as I've been of his since he was drafted in 2019, personally, and this is why I'm asking you, I'm nowhere near making any sort of a declarative statement regarding Alec Marsh. I I need another month. I need another five, six, seven starts from him before I... Okay, start to get an idea of what he can be or will be for this franchise moving forward. And my second question is something that was posed to me right before the All-Star break. I I gave my answer on the air, but before I reiterate my answer, I'm interested in your response to the question of, is Bobby Witt Jr. the best player on this team? Has he now replaced Salvador Perez as the guy? Not, Not the captain. Now, Salvi's the leader. Salvi's the future Royals Hall of Famer. Salvi's the all-star representative. Now, Salvi's the legend, no doubt. But as of July 15th, 2023, is Bobby Witt Jr. the best player on this Royals team? That's what I want to know from you. Phone lines are open, 913-586-7610. Again, that's 913-586-7610. Let's start off right here in Kansas City. Adam, you're hitting leadoff this afternoon. Go ahead, buddy. Well, Vern, there's nothing I can disagree with you on. You have to wait, obviously, for more starts. Um, and uh, But I also want to agree with you on Melendez and, uh, I mean, I hate to agree, but right. Melendez and Prado, they are absolutely strikeout. It's, it's just unbelievable. Even in today's game, you see them come up and you see the – and Prado strikes out looking also. Yes. I don't understand Melendez's stance. I don't understand why people don't say something about it. Uh, we only, oh, by the way, as for the Bobby Witt question, yes, uh, right now, Bobby Witt, and you can see what he is now. I mean, he's obviously, and he's a shortstop, too, so it's, right. it's even more. Right. I also think, however, that Daniel Wright's a player. Is it Daniel? Do I have that right? No, that's not, not Daniel. The third baseman. Uh, oh, Michael Garcia. Michael Garcia, I'm sorry. No question. <laughs> Yeah, no question I, think he's, he's a ball I think he'll player. be fine. He's yep. 0 for 4 today, unfortunately. But the, but the problem is we have too many, you know, I don't know what to say, minor leaguers on the team. Mm-hmm. Massey, you know, I, I, that Lopez has not, uh, has not panned out is sad because I always like, I like Nicky. Me too. But Massey is not, is not a major leaguer. Prado is not a major. I mean, I don't see any development of these people. Um, I don't know about Waters. It's hard to say. He, he seems temperamental. Isbell does not seem to hit. I mean, he's a fine center fielder, but he does not seem to hit. It's really a sad. It's really a sad situation that uh, the former GM le- left us. More left us, and I don't even know why his assistant is JJ Piccolo still the general manager. Yeah, Piccolo. Yes, he is. Yep. I'm sorry, Piccolo. Sorry. And so uh, I don't understand why you take the assistant to the guy who wrecked. I mean, I know he got us the World Series, but we can say that's we can say that for just so long, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a decade now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all I'm saying is, oh, there's one more, one more thing I want to say, and I promise, I promise I'll be quick. You're good. When Bobby Witt struck out on a low pitch that was clearly low, 
right yes. near the end yes. of the game. Yep, seventh right? inning. Seventh yep. inning or so. Mm. Uh, this is what the team needs. They need some fire. They really need some fire. And you, if you're the manager and you can see that pitch very well, you can. I mean, you're from the first from the first base side, mm-hmm. and it's clearly and you got your best hitter up right now, and he does that. They do that to him. Like I think the game might have been closer then. Uh, I would have. I would have said, I got to do something as a manager. I would just go out there and give it to the umpire. By the way, he was a terrible umpire in general, mm-hmm. but give it to the umpire and get thrown out. Do something, you know. Do something. Sorry, I, I kept. Uh, I said so much. I apologize. That's no, a great call. No, don't apologize, Adam. I appreciate hearing from me, man. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, home plate umpire Edwin Moscoso is the name, uh, is the individual you were discussing. A lot to get to there, Adam. Um, yeah, never apologize, especially when the team's 40 games below 500. I appreciate anyone listening to this postgame show, let alone calling into this postgame show. So, Adam, thank you very much. Uh, before I get into what Adam had to say, one quick correction. I, I said Royal struck out 10 times and six of them were courtesy of MJ and Prado. I was wrong. Only half, only five. Prado struck out twice, once looking. MJ struck out three times. So I was incorrect on that. Um, and as Adam's going over the young bats, the unproven position players that I talk about every single day on the on-deck show and every single day on the post-game show, he described it as a sad situation. Now, I understand what he meant, Because it is unfortunate that we're 92 games into the season, and much like Adam, I I agree, Bobby and Michael Garcia have passed the test. In my mind, they've passed this evaluation season. They look like 10-year, 15-year big leaguers. Both of them 23. Both of them hitting right around 300 since the beginning of June. Yeah, Garcia, Bobby, Vinny. In this evaluation season, those are the three that are returning a positive grade, right? I think you feel good about Vinny, Bobby, and Mike Hell, and there are question marks everywhere else. Adam calls it a sad situation. I would disagree in that this is what 2023 was for. I wasn't excited about an evaluation season. Um But if you're going to be so candid about it being an evaluation season, I'm talking about dating back to spring training. The organization's been very upfront. This is what 2023 is about. And if I can be honest with you, what 2023 is about, as J.J. Piccolo is in year one, for as much as many of you and sometimes us in the media for as much as we want to make this year seven of the rebuild, and for many of us it is, right? We've, we've been here, so it feels like it's year seven of the rebuild. It's year one of J.J. Piccolo's reign as general manager of the Kansas City Royals. It's year one. So in his year one, what he's trying to do is say, all right, what was I left with? What was given to me by my predecessor? I'm giving these guys 162 games. And then in my opinion, mine, Josh Vernier, in my opinion, there's now no excuse next season 
to run back any of these guys. To give any of these guys everyday roles next year. Again, Bobby, Vinny, Mike, Hal, Salvi, no doubt. And, and like you said, Kyle Isbell's a fine center fielder. And I don't mind punting offensively on one of those premium positions up the middle. Center field, second base, shortstop, catcher. One of them, in my opinion, can be defense first. So, okay, Kyle Isbell, we can throw him into the mix as well. But if we get to the end of the season and Nick Prado's striking out 50% of the time and MJ Melendez is striking out multiple times per game, Michael Massey still yet to show the bat. Let's acknowledge that that Massey has fallen on the depth chart regarding the middle infielders. You're seeing him DH more. You've seen Michael Garcia has already nabbed the third base position. And Matt Quatrero's giving the defensive responsibilities of second base to Nicky Lopez. So if Michael Massey's bat doesn't pick up over these final 70 games of the season, I don't know how you can give him any consistent ABs going into next year. Same with MJ, same with Prado, same with Nicky Lopez. If we're going to abide by this evaluation season, it's not a sad situation, Adam. It's a good situation because now we won't do what has been done in this city for the past seven years, and that is... Yeah, I know what Mondi did last year, but this is the year he breaks out. Sure, I know what Hunter Dozier did last year, but I still believe this is the year he breaks out. That way of thinking needs to be gone. We all agreed. We Not we all. Many of us acknowledged and ultimately embraced this evaluation season. But if you dare... Make us sit through 162 games of an evaluation season and then act like it didn't matter and you give me Nick Prado as your opening day first baseman, MJ Melendez as your opening day right fielder, Michael Massey as your opening day second baseman. If that happens next year, you know, with the hypothetical of these guys continue to struggle down the stretch, well, then I'll be more agitated than any of you. I'll be more outraged than any of you. And I'll have the proper amount of fury behind me as I report to spring training next season. So I don't describe it as a sad situation that it appears six of these nine young, unproven position players are short of average at best. I don't think it's a sad situation. I'm glad that it's being exposed so this front office knows just how many holes need to be filled. And then finally, Adam, to your point about Bobby Witt Jr. and that strikeout in the seventh inning. Yes, it was a close game. 2-1 Tampa there in the bottom of the seventh. Two out, nobody on. Bobby Witt Jr., 2-2 offering from Jason Adam is a 97-mile-per-hour fastball down and correct out of the zone. It was ball three. Bobby should have gotten another opportunity. After it's called strike three, Bobby's as animated as I've ever seen him following a called strike three. Now, he's not screaming. He's not yelling. um, But again, it's still as animated as I've seen Bobby. He's normally, well, you guys have heard him talk. He's as polite of a young man as you're ever going to find. That's in front of cameras, in front of microphones, not in front of cameras, not in front of microphones. He's just a nice kid, a nice young man. So to see him voice his displeasure with the home home plate umpire was new. 
something I haven't seen very often. It's reflective of a young man that is starting to come into his own and realize, as we discussed, he's the best player on this team. But to your point about Matt Quatrero, you wanted him to come out and fight for Bobby and get thrown out of the game. Obviously, I didn't ask you about this particular instance, but in my five months being around Matt Quatrero, my assumption would be is that his response to your, your thought, Adam, that his response would be, if I thought it would help us win, I'd do it. If I thought... Getting thrown out of the game would make us play better. If I thought flipping the spread in the clubhouse would make us a better team, I would do it. But Q does not get caught up in the in those narratives, in those aspects of this game that us in the media, that newspaper writers, that beat writers have been utilizing for decades. He doesn't get caught up in those things. He's way too pragmatic for that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, uh, but he's very straightforward. Not into team meetings, not into screaming at players. Is it going to make us better, yes or no? If the answer is, well, I don't know, probably not. There's no real history that screaming equals wins. Again, I'm not saying if it's right or wrong, uh, but... But to that point of, because you're not the only one, Adam, a lot of people have brought it up, Q needs to be thrown out more often. If he truly believed that's what was missing from this team is him getting thrown out, he would do it. But Adam, and I think you would even admit, what's missing for this team right now is talent. Outside of Garcia, Witt, and Salvi, your top three hitters, who else do you expect to come through? That's the issue. When you look at this pitching staff, you've already lost to Roldis Chapman. Scott Barlow might be on his way out. You're throwing a bunch of kids out there that have, you know, uh, Alec Marsh just made his third start. Coming up in just about two hours from now, Cole Reagans makes his Royals debut. Right? This team's just missing talent, experience. Him getting thrown out isn't going to make these guys more talented, more experienced, isn't going to bring him better pitching. So he doesn't see the need in it. Adam, great phone call. Hope to hear from you again. Royals lose 6-1 to one to the Rays. It's game one of a day-night doubleheader. I got the on-deck show for game two starting at 5 o'clock. But we get back to your thoughts after this. Burns Post Game Show on your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio, and the Odyssey app. Vern here to remind you Royals fans that one hour before first pitch every game day, I give you a chance to win a pair of tickets on the new trivia game. It's the Pitch Clock. Post game show on your home for Royals baseball in Kansas City, 610 Sports Radio. 6-1 the final score. Royals drop the opener of this three-game series against Tampa in this day-night doubleheader. Game two coming your way, 6-10 for the first pitch. Cole Reagans, the 25-year-old lefty the team got from the Rangers for Aroldis Chapman. He'll square off with Cooper Criswell. I could have made that name up, and you would have no idea. In fact, I may have made that name up. You're just going to have to stay tuned to 
Uh, Denny Matthews in the first pitch coming up at 6'10 to find out if Tampa's really starting a young man named, what I say, Cooper Criswell? Do you think that's made up? Jay Southland Toe Service text line 913-586-7610. Hey, I, I would love to know who that fan was that caught Salvador Perez's double in the fifth inning. If you weren't paying attention to the game, Royals fall behind in the third inning as Jose Siri destroys a tasty slider from Jose Siri. Uh, made it one nothing Tampa in the third. Tampa would hit another home run, also coming from the bottom third of the lineup as the nine-hitter Francisco Mejia belts a 1-1 offering from Alec Marsh, and just like that, it's 2-0 Tampa. Uh, two solo home runs uh, should not you know, saddle Marsh with a loss, but it did. Two solo home runs, and the Royals are unable to overcome that. They lose 6-1, to one, but in the bottom of the fifth inning, Bobby Witt Jr. crushes a, a 1-1 offering with two outs for his 15th home run of the season. That cut the deficit to one, and on the very next pitch, Salvador Perez belts a hanging slider to deep left center field, but it's just shy of clearing the wall. There was a fan out there in left center field that reached across and made a sensational play. Now, it was fan interference, um, but whatever. It was going to be a double one way or the other, so you made a nice play and you got on television. Uh, I would love to know who you are because that was fantastic. Uh, Kudos to you. I'd say you get the bronze medal. Eh, no, maybe not. You, you, you're probably the fourth star of the game. If Alec Marsh is the star following six innings of uh, two-run baseball, 11 strikeouts, if Alec Marsh is your gold medal recipient, Salvi goes four for four, we'll give him the silver, and then Bobby with that solo bomb of the fifth, accounting for all of the Royals' offense, if he takes home the bronze... Uh, That young Royals fan that made the catch, you, currently in fourth. I'd love to hear from you. Do not make them wait on hold. Phone lines are open, 913-586-7610. Let's go to Rick in Excelsior Springs. Rick, was that you that made the catch? No. No, I wish it was. Me too. Uh, I've got a comment about what I I look for in the second half, and that is what J.J. Piccolo does at uh, the draft deadline or not the draft excuse me the uh, uh, trade deadline uh, I think he's got some big decisions I'm with you on uh, Garcia and Bobby and Vinny Mm -hmm. I'm still not sold on uh, Isbell Melendez or uh, oh Massey I think Waters should be playing center field where they projected him to do and they just keep moving at and i think and you won't probably agree but i think that uh lopez should be in the everyday lineup i know he's not a stick but he he makes some great defensive plays and uh i'll get off the air and and hear what you have to say thanks yeah, uh, I appreciate the phone call, Rick. I'm not listen. When it comes to Nicky Lopez, he to me is a guy that helps you win more than he leads to losses. So yeah, I, I certainly can't disagree with you 
Um, now, Nikki's not playing in the night game. Uh, Massey's going to be at second base. Bobby at short. Mike Hell at third. Salvi's the DH. Melendez is in left. Iron Blanco's in right. Drew Water's going to be in center field. You know, it's just that whole difficult balancing act of how much do wins even matter. And I, I can't sit here and say they don't matter. I, I, I don't want Bobby or Michael, Vinny Pasquantino, the kid that we're going to watch coming up in a little bit, Cole Reagans, Alec Marsh. I don't want them to become losers to where they show up at Kauffman Stadium and, and wonder how they're going to lose. Right, I think that's happened to certain cores in the past. That Dozier, Mondesi, Merrifield, Barlow, Keller core where you know, the fine ball players, but they just get bludgeoned over the head year after year that eventually you show up, you put on the jersey, and you go, all right, let's, let's see what happens. We're probably going to lose. And once that mentality infiltrates your brain, it's a wrap. So I can't say that winning is unimportant. But if it comes down to Michael Massey, Nick Prado, Kyle Isbell, I'd rather see them because I still have questions about those three. Those are the three that I'm evaluating down the stretch. Bobby, I'm all in on. Michael, I'm all in on. MJ, I have an idea, or I believe I have an idea of what his floor is and what his ceiling is. I don't think there's anything he can do down the stretch that's going to change your opinion or my opinion of him. He's got to start anew in in 2024. And honestly, what he needs to do over these final 70 games is earn a spot in the opening day roster for 2024. Because right now, in this evaluation season, uh, the evaluators have to be coming away by saying, uh, we can't count on him. We can't count on him to hit in big spots to hit in a key role for us. I mean, he's hitting cleanup in game two. I, I see this text message here. Uh, text line's always open for you, by the way. 913-586-7610. From the 478, Vern, the Royals' batting order is already mediocre enough without putting a 4A player with no bat as the cleanup hitter. I really question Matt Quatrero's judgment. He's talking about Kyle Isbell hitting cleanup in game one. I understand the thought. All I would ask you to do is just push away from uh, the the radio or the television screen for a moment, and, and and who do you want in there? No Isbell, okay. Melendez is hitting cleanup in game two. Prado, Waters, Massey, Lopez, who is it that you see and say, that, ladies and gentlemen, that is a cleanup hitter. He's not on the team. I mean, if he is on the team, it's Salvador Perez or it's Bobby Witt Jr., but unfortunately, they're hitting number three and number two, respectively. 913-586-7610. Let's go to Cody in Blue Springs. Cody, you're on the postgame show. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I just want to make a few points. Um, the kind of difference between if you look at the Rays lineup and the Royals lineup, a lot of the guys the Rays, they came up, slowly and they limited them and they built themselves up. I mean, you look at guys like Josh Lowe, he was probably a better prospect than Melendez or Prado. 
what they did was they platooned him. He came up. They weren't exposed, overexposing him, where I think Melendez and Prado are harming right now. And who knows, their development could be going further south. And when you really look at the Rays, like how many stars do they really have? They have Wander Franco, who obviously everyone thought was a consensus, could be a great player. Randy Rosarina, he was a bit player. Provide enhanced traction in all conditions. E-Force and 389 horsepower available on Platinum Plus. Nissan calculation using one-foot rollout testing with long-range battery and E-Force only in sport mode with E-Step. All these results are for comparison only and should not be attempted on public roads. Drive responsibly. See NissanUSA.com for details. Hey, it's Travis Kelsey, and you're listening to the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Vern's Post Game Show on your home for Royals baseball in Kansas City, 610 Sports Radio. 1-1. Swing, fly ball, center field, Siri back, still going, to the fence, looking up, it's gone! It's a home run for Bobby Witt Jr. And the Royals are on the board, they're down 2-1. to one. That's Steve Stewart on the call, as heard here on 610 Sports Radio. Bobby puts the boys on the board in the fifth, and that's the only time they tack a run on the board. Royals lose 6-1. to one. Yeah, 2-1 in the fifth, and then the, uh, well, the wheels come off later on in the game, but as I've been telling you now for about a month, uh, the bullpen's going to give up at least one run every single game for the rest of the season. Now, maybe I'm wrong, uh, you know, in, in seven of the remaining 70 games, uh, but I'd, I'd, I'd place a bet that... 60, 70% of the remaining games, Royals bullpen gives up at least one run. You're 40 games below 500. I've never seen a very bad baseball team with a very good bullpen. Shoot. I've never seen a very bad baseball team with a mediocre bullpen. Now, you're, you're, now, now there are options in the minor leagues that will matriculate their way, like uh, Steven Cruz. You'll likely, hopefully, see him in the big leagues. A few other names, John McMillan, a few other names that, that could find their way uh, to this Royals bullpen. That that could help, um, but I'm not surprised when Colin Snyder gives up three runs in the eighth and Nick Whitgren gives up a home run to Jose Siri in the ninth. Four runs in the final two frames turns this one into a laugher. Um, all right, to, to go back to Cody's point regarding the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, you're 100% right in what they do. Right, Yandy Diaz started the All-Star game as the first baseman. Now, if you're of a certain age, American League first baseman used to be a superstar. Every single year, the starting first baseman was a superstar. I don't know how far back you want to go. I mean, for, for me, I'm always thinking early 90s, from Cecil Fielder to... Frank Thomas and Mo Vaughn. You have Mark McGuire in there. I mean, first base, were, they were stars. Yandy Diaz was the American League starter at first base. He didn't even start game one. Why? Well, because a uh, righty's on the hill. Well, Luke Rayleigh got the start at first base. Now, Cole Reagan's on the mound for game two. Yandy Diaz... Going to be in there. Luke really going to be on the bench. Rays do a great job of identifying a player's strengths, highlighting those strengths, and asking them to avoid their weaknesses. We're not going to put you in there against a righty. Um, well, 
They do a tremendous job of platooning. Um, you know, really outside of Brandon Lau, Franco, Arena. How many of these guys are playing every single day? No, most of them are platooned. Now that takes buy-in from the players. That takes tremendous communication from the coaching staff. That also takes a track record. Right? Terry Francona does a great job of this as well. And that's because when you show up in the Cleveland clubhouse, what are you going to say, man? They got a track record of winning. Francona's going to the Hall of Fame. He makes you feel important and you want to play for him, even if it's in a limited role. Same with Kevin Cash and what they've built down there in Tampa. It's easier to buy into what they're selling. But don't get it confused for a moment. Matt Quatrero's trying to do the same things here in Kansas City. Trying to get Nicky Lopez to truly embrace what he could be, right? Nicky Lopez in that Tampa Bay system, I think, would flourish because he would embrace that playing three times a week. You're a defensive replacement, but just do your job. Do what we need you to do, and boy, oh boy, are you going to have success. You look at, like you mentioned, Jose Siri and Taylor Walls. Uh, Francisco Mejia, who was once one of the top catching prospects in all of Major League Baseball. And I don't want to say that it's unfair to compare any team to the Tampa Bay Rays. Because it's not. They're a pro franchise just like you're a pro franchise. But man, a lot of people are trying to copy what they do in Tampa. So much so that of the other 29 teams in Major League Baseball, nine of them have a former Ray as their manager or running their front office. And none of them are as good as the Rays. GMs, front office personnel have left and and gone to Minnesota and Kansas City, um, have gone in the past to the Angels and to the Dodgers. All around the game. Former managers, the Giants, former players, former executives are all around Major League Baseball, and all of them are looking up at the standings, looking up at the Tampa Bay Rays. So I don't know if it's Eric Neander, their general manager, if it's the uh, gentleman right above him that has been there since 2006. Maybe it's just their algorithm. I don't know what it is that Tampa does, but no one has been able to duplicate it. Everyone's trying to replicate what they have in Tampa, how they win in the margins, how they fleece teams and trades, how they find diamonds in the rough that are overlooked in other organizations and then steal them via trade. Everyone's trying to emulate what they do, but everyone is falling short, even teams with Uh, six times the payroll like Andrew Friedman has out in Los Angeles. The Rays are still slightly better. So no doubt Tampa does it right. Um, I don't know if the Royals are capable of doing that. Because also what Tampa has, as you know, Zach Eflin, Tyler Glass now, Shane McClanahan, Taj, uh, not Taj Gibson. Hmm. Forgetting that young right-hander's name that they called up. But they got four young starters that would all 
be the number one on this Royals rotation or in this Royals rotation, not to mention some studs at the back end of their bullpen. Their ability to identify talent, acquire that talent without parting with their own talent is unlike any organization in all of professional baseball. Let's head inside that Royals clubhouse. Let's hear what today's losing pitcher, I hate to even say it because he did not deserve this loss, six innings of two-run baseball from the 25-year-old former top 100 pick of the Royals back in 2019, Alec Marsh, addressing the media. And here's what the microphones of Bally Sports Kansas City we're able to pick up. I mean, getting the strikeouts, obviously, something the last few games was difficult for me, um, especially getting the two strikes a lot. But no, I thought the you know the attack mode was good the whole game. And uh, slipped up one on the walk after the home run. Um, but I had to you know, collect myself and say, hey, let's get back in there. Anything change in between uh, the two in regards to the strikeouts, uh, especially, like you said, with two strikes? Um, things mindset-wise, like, let me just keep attacking and then knowing that I have to make a pitch here instead of wasting two or three. Um, and and the, that's kind of been a big thing with me in the past. Like, that's what drives my pitch count up. Um, that's what doesn't allow me to get deep into games. Um, so that's kind of that's just a little bit of a mindset change. Like, yeah, i got to make this pitch right now. Um, if I don't do it here, I have to do the next pitch. And if he puts in play, he puts in play. But I'm not going to throw a ball out of the zone and waste a pitch. Um, it still happened a couple times on the high fastballs today, but I think as we keep moving forward, like it's just going to only get better. Obviously, that's you know something you deal with over the course of your career, but especially in the big leagues, is that kind of um, magnified a little bit more, knowing that hey, like you can't waste pitches, um, otherwise you know either they're going to make make you pay for it or you'll. Yeah, definitely. I mean, these guys are so good, or it's like they in. I feel like it's it's tough. It's like a double-edged sword. Like you make mistakes and they don't get hit, and then sometimes you make a perfect pitch and they make you know they put a good swing on it. So it goes back and forth throughout a game. Um, but yeah, definitely more mistakes up here get magnified for sure. Um, but just having conviction in what I'm doing, I think drives a good result. Again, Bally Sports, Kansas City, providing us the audio. Alec Marsh falls to 0-3 despite 11 strikeouts across six solid innings, surrendering a pair of solo home runs uh, to the eight-hitter Jose Siri in the third and the nine-hitter Francisco Mejia in the fifth. Let's go to the Jay Southland Tow Service text line, 913-586-7610, with a special thanks to our friends who have been with us all season long for each and every one of these Royals home games, our friends at Rawhide Harley-Davidson, the number one volume Harley dealer in Kansas. All right, text line begins with the 816. Vern, we're getting ice cream to make the loss feel better. What do you recommend? Well, I mean, you really, I don't, I don't think you can go wrong with ice cream. Get what you like. Uh, my personal favorite, I'm going you know, cookies and cream, uh, a moose track, something with the, maybe a peanut butter cup in it. My ice cream, I, I need to have something that I already know in it. An Oreo, a, a, a Reese's peanut butter cup. You want to mash up a bunch of Snickers and throw it in some vanilla ice cream. You know, I'm kind of a blizzard guy or... Um, yeah, right. We got Dairy Queen. You guys know what I'm talking about, the blizzards. That's more my style, the McFlurry, if you will. I don't know if there's a local spot. I'm, I'm, I, I don't get out much. My, 
My ice cream is normally up here in the press box at Kauffman Stadium. 913-586-7610. From the 816, Vern, those dudes on the morning show were talking about trading Bobby Witt Jr. just a few weeks ago. This kid's putting up a decent season. Vern, I'm in Pennsylvania right now, so I have no idea what's on the show. All right. Well, I appreciate you texting in nonetheless. That means you're not even listening, so I don't need to respond to your text. Um, Although, I guess you could listen if you went back on the podcast. Um, For those that are, man, do you love Royals baseball if you're checking out my podcast? And I love you if you're doing it. I mean, I truly love you because who knows if I'm here next season. But you, uh, you downloading and subscribing to the podcast, the All Things Vern podcast on the Odyssey app, you uh, give me a chance, a fighting chance of returning in 2024 in this role. Uh, so you know what? I guess I, I, I should respond. Yeah, no, no question. Bobby's having Bobby's having more than just a quality season. Uh, you you go back and you look at what he's done since the beginning of June. What he's done in the past month and a half is what you would expect of a number two overall pick. What he's done since the beginning of June is reflective of a franchise-altering type of talent. Now, as you know, one player cannot win consistently for you. Mike Trout's the best player of the last 15 years, and he's made it to one postseason and got carved up by the Royals. So you got to put some talent around Bobby, but Bobby's holding up his end of the bargain, no question about it. Roger the Ozarks writes in, Hey, Matt Quatrero. How about when your best player, Bobby Witt Jr., is getting screwed on the strike zone twice? You get your tail out of the dugout and let the home player umpire, excuse me, and let the home plate umpire have it. Back up your player. You're being soft, Q. All right. Second time we've heard that. I've never been one. I've never been one that um, demands the manager getting thrown out that is desirous to see the manager well that's not that's not 100% true if this organization had acted as if wins and losses were more important in 2023 maybe I would be with you but I've seen nothing that leads me to believe that wins were ever truly expected this year so if he gets up and starts screaming and ranting and raving, I, I think the players see through it. I don't know if they feel backed up or supported by their manager. Honestly, what I would see, and maybe this is just because I've been around Q so much, I would see a guy that's starting to uh, snap, starting to lose it, starting to fade. Q's all about consistency, being the same guy when things are going bad, being the same guy when things are going great. He's pretty even keel. Uh, you, you start to change your stripes 92 games into the season. I, From what I've learned about him, it, it's his belief that that would be sniffed out as fraudulent inside that clubhouse. Joey in Grain Valley's got some love for Alec Marsh, deservedly so. From the 816, Fern, I sure don't want to see Nikki Lopez and Edward Olivares back here when they're just bodies. 
or at least we better not. I don't want to show up next season with the same guys. Yeah, yeah, again, uh, no reason to show up next season with the same guys. You're, you're right now on pace for the worst record in franchise history by a mile. I believe you're now on pace for 117 losses. That's just too shy of the American League record last set by the 2003 Detroit Tigers. Shoot, Nicky Lopez, Edward Olivares, they could be out, right? Trade deadlines, what, 17 days away? Not saying teams are banging down the door, especially with Ali being on the injured list. But I, I think a lot of contending teams could utilize the glove of Nicky Lopez, the speed, the IQ of Nicky Lopez. And as you're seeing from all-star Whit Merrifield, you put Nicky Lopez in a winning environment, I guarantee his production goes up. Maybe not way up, but I think it would go up. few more from the text line, the J Southland Toe Service text line. Uh, Rally Mantis giving some love to the Marshmallow Man? No. No, we're not calling him that. Uh, Alec Marsh is not the Marshmallow Man. Get real. From the 913, Vern, how many of these guys are simply dealing with the sophomore slump? Um, well, only Bobby and MJ are in their sophomore season. Bobby's the only one that has played a full big league season, right? He's the only one that was there opening day into the end of last season. MJ was the next up and then Vinny after that. So none of them. No, no. What the sophomore slump often is, is just the rest of Major League Baseball adjusting to your weaknesses. Can you adjust back? And if you stay in that sophomore slump, the answer is no. And if the answer is no, you're likely not a big leaguer. Stay tuned. We'll get you ready for game two coming up next on 610 Sports Radio. Royals and Rays, we got another on-deck show, another chance to win Royals tickets coming up in 15 minutes. Stay tuned. You've been listening to Vern's Post Game Show. Diving is MJ Melendez. Did he make that catch? Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit Cox dot com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion we all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing and once again toyota is leading the way we hear a lot about fully electric vehicles and toyota has them with more on the way but we also know a bev is not for everyone whether it's because of cost range or concern about finding a charging station when you need it plus the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. 
This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.